Sorry I'm late, guys. I was taking a crap. The name's Shaw. Mr. Shaw, meet Mr. Jameson from Chicago. How are you? Mr. Lombard from Philadelphia. Yeah. And Mr. Lonigan from New York. Pleased to meet you. Mr. Clayton, Pittsburgh. Say, any of you guys want to make a little book in Chicago, I'm the guy to see. Game is straight poker. $100 minimum, table stakes. Uh, Mr. Shaw, this is a gentleman's game. We assume you're all good for your debts. How much would you like, Mr. Shaw? Oh, I'll start with 5000 Mr. Shaw, we usually require a tie at this table. If you don't have one, we can get you one. Hey, that'd be real nice of you, Mr. Lonigan. Lonigan. Well, one. Bill? I'll take one. Shaw? Three. And the dealer will take one. That 500. I'll call. On raise. 300. Mount. Hold. You're free. And raise. 500. That's eight to me. Call. Jack's on top. Beats me. Three tens. <laughs> Tough luck, Ron Ann. But that's what you get for playing with your head up your ass. <laughs> A couple more like that, we can all go to bed early. Name's Lonigan. Dial Lonigan. You're gonna remember that, Mr. Shaw. You're gonna get yourself another game. Your father. is over. Three cowboys. All red, queen high. Well, this is me. Don't worry about it, pal. <laughs> <laughs> they wouldn't let you in here if you weren't a chump. Lombard will be joining you in a couple of minutes. <laughs> now, look here, Sean. I've had enough of this game and quite enough of this company. Check me out, Clemens. I guess that just leaves the three of us. Yes, Mr. Shaw. Just leaves us three. Mr. Clayton, I think we should take a break for five minutes. Tempers seem to be running a little high. Oh, come on, Linneman. I just starting to do good. I don't know what you like. <laughs> I like to watch, Eve. What do you mean? 
You like to watch? I like to watch. Don Hall. This is Donnie Smith. And this is the I Like to Watch podcast. Well, Mr. Smith, you are a member of SAG-AFTRA and you are on strike. Uh, yeah, me and uh, 166,000 X amount of 100 other members of the union. Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Joining joining the members of the WGA, which yeah, I don't even know I, I don't I haven't looked up the numbers of that. I think it's what are they like 30,000 or 50,000? It's like, it's not even half of what SAG is. But you know, say it's a lot more difficult to, to get into the WGA. I'll say that than it is to get into SAG. Um, as difficult as it, it as some people might find it to get Taft Hartley and get into SAG. Um, WGA is a, a, a lot harder to get into. Yeah, um, I'm sure. So, yeah, that's why they have fewer numbers than us. But, uh, yeah, we're all out there, uh, you know, joining the ranks of uh, what? Hotel workers and UPS workers and, you know, so many people all across the country that are are striking against their uh, kind of corporate overlords. Yeah. So, so have you actually been out in on the picket lines? Have you have you gone out to do that or? I have not. When the WGA started their stuff, uh, Mary Lynn, my wife, Mary Lynn, was still teaching. So I, I do have a, a full-time job working for the record company. Uh, I get to do it remotely uh, for the most part, about 99.9% remotely. Um, but that also means I was home with uh, our daughter yeah. um, while she was teaching. So uh, I haven't really been out there. Uh, you know, she's on the, the the far end of potty training like she's she's pretty much there like we're good but in terms of going out and being out and you know i just i didn't feel comfortable doing it you know right away oh yeah um, no i get it i get it yeah. and, and then sag started striking you know we were in chicago uh visiting for a week uh families and friends what have you and right in the middle of our vacation uh in chicago was when sag called the strike i'm Matilda, our daughter, was uh, uh, having her nap, and uh, uh, Fran and uh, Duncan Crabtree Ireland—is that his name? I think uh, yeah, they had their they had their two p.m. Wednesday press conference, and she gave her St. Crisp was it St. Crispin's Day speech? Is yeah, yeah, right. one of the I, Henrys, right? <laughs> Henry, I think that's I think that's Henry the Fifth, but I, I yeah. it's off the top of my head, I can't remember. But right. yeah, I know it. That was a quite a, a very impassioned impassioned uh uh speech that she gave kind of surprising given you know she's the nanny you know so you did yeah you did, but but that's that's the point you know she's an actor, right. she's so an actor. That, yeah the nanny was a character she played so you can't expect right. her to be that person um, <laughs> right but yeah I, no, that happened they you know that happened on that wednesday at like two o'clock so you know we were in chicago we didn't just we didn't get back until just this past weekend so you know, I haven't really had a chance to go out yet, uh, partly because the fucking heat wave is just crazy. Uh, you know, I have I still have work. You know, I'm in the midst of Grammy season, Grammy submission season for my my day job. And that is a, a fucking task and a half. So yeah, I just I haven't been able to make the time. Yeah, well, uh, just, you know, I do. The, the... I do, do want to make the time. Uh, you know, it's just it, you know, logistically, it's just kind of difficult yeah, life right now. Life gets in the way, and that's and that's yeah. okay. Now, one of the things, and you correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm sure you know a lot more about this than I do. Um, but from what I can understand, and I've read through most of uh, 
you know, the stuff that's out there, you know, most of the, the mm-hmm. articles I've read, the, I've read the actual, you know, the demands versus the counters, you know, I've, I've done a lot of stuff, but it strikes me that, that, uh, to not get too heavily in the weeds, it really boils down to, and, and this is both, I think both from the WGA and, uh, SAG-AFTRA is that the first big contentious point, like there's a lot of, there's a lot in there. But mm-hmm. it seems like to me the two contentious points that are really sticking points is one is um, streaming uh, has you know when when you know there were residuals and mm-hmm. you know when you when you were when you were an actor in a television show or a writer on a television show and the television show went into syndication um, you've got a certain amount of residuals that had been agreed upon years before and and then streaming it and because streaming doesn't give accurate numbers because they don't they hide that stuff people are getting ridiculously low amounts of what would be considered residuals for streaming and give me a second that seems like the first big big bone of contention and then the second really both for the wga and sag after is the use of artificial intelligence and cgi that effectively replaces human input in the the case of the writers it it replaces the the writing room for you know scripts written by ai and then cleaned up by a few writers so that the the whole concept of a writing room is kind of thrown out the window and then in terms of the actors it's it's using their likeness i mean the the big one that that they talked about which i think it's it doesn't surprise me to be honest with you that they're that they're trying to do this because they've been kind of doing this for a while um, but basically taking extras who are, you know, the lowest paid, the lowest tier of, of SAG-AFTRA and basically digitally copying their likeness and paying them for that and then saying, okay, and now we're going to be able to digitally recreate you for, you know, an infinite number of properties and you won't get paid for it. And that seems to be the two big sticking points. Would you agree or there's more? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, there, there there are a few more, but I, those are the two biggest ones. You're right. Um, just to correct you a, a smidge, it's not even about if your show went into syndication. That's when you started getting the big bucks, like if you were a series regular or a, a recurring. Um, you know that that's when you started getting really, really big money uh, back. You know, Friends, Seinfeld, uh, money, Seinfeld, Frasier, Cheers, all those cats. Um, the, 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 the more simple version is if something was, and I hope I I get this correct. If, if I don't like, please, anybody out there, please reach out and slap me in the face, correct me. But what used to happen is you got your day rate. Let's say you were just a guest star on, uh, Frasier. Okay. You got your day rate, which let's just, let's just throw a number out there. Your day rate was 1500 bucks for the day. Okay. That's about a 12, 15 hour day, depending on their shooting schedule, whatever. Um, every time the network, which I believe was NBC for Frasier, um, every time the network reran it, the first time you would, the first time it reran, you would get your exact same day player fee again. After that, you would start getting kind of percentages of, and those percentages would, would go down every time they reran it. Okay. But then it's stuck at a certain number. So let's say it's like, the minimum maybe was like 10% of your original fee would be like the lowest you would get. So if it played a million times, eventually you would just be getting that like 140 bucks 
but it's 140 bucks or something you did maybe five, 10 years ago, right? And if it's playing on an airplane, it's playing in a foreign country, it's playing on you know, your grandma's TV somewhere in fucking Kansas, like, right? Um, the problem became with streaming, um, you would get your day player fee, right? Let's talk about something like Abbott Elementary. Abbott Elementary was is is on a network. I'm not sure if it was NBC, CBS. I think it's ABC. I think it's ABC. ABC that I, okay. I, 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 okay. Yes, I think you're right because ABC is owned by Disney. Okay. Yeah. So you have it. You have the initial program on ABC, and you get your you get your decent good money for that. Okay. The problem is, the companies that own streamers are are smart. They're not going to continue to play it on that network because they know that they have to pay you X amount every time it plays on the network. So what they did was start a streamer. And because of the quote unquote new media contract that was agreed to and signed years ago by SAG and WGA had their own version, um, it, 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 the, the money goes down exponentially. So instead of getting $1,500 again, you're gonna get like 27 cents. And like that's an extreme example, right? I don't even know if those numbers even really. I actually don't. Basically, don't think, what it from what I've read, from what I've read, that doesn't strike me as an extreme example. That strikes me as, at least I've read a couple of articles where you're you're, you're literally talking like people that were series regulars, and and made more in one season of of a show than they've made in five seasons as a series regular in a streaming no, 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 yeah, and, a streaming show yeah, yeah I mean, like, those are diff- those are different those are different kind of uh, yeah. two different examples you know kind of convert but yes yes um i've shown you i remember texting you and, and david himmel i texted you guys some screenshots of some of my residuals that i was getting and i don't get the checks anymore because those were uh, too, I, I, I had too much anxiety about it because, like, at the time when those checks were coming in, like, I really needed money. So yeah. as as soon as they started uh, offering direct deposit, I immediately signed up for it because yeah. I did not want the surprise of checks. I just wanted a surprise of $10 hitting my bank account or something like that, right? Um, but I texted you guys some of those photos of what, and man, you guys saw what those numbers were, what those pennies were. And it's just like, that's not how the middle class worker, uh, the middle class actor used to be able to thrive. You know, um, friends like Rusty Schwimmer, Mike Wiles, um, you know, just like character actors that you would see over and over in a lot of shit over the years. Uh, Sam Anderson, who was on, I mean, Jesus, he was just on uh, fucking Murder, She Wrote, I was watching last night, right? I mean, these people uh, made a living off of guest spots on TV shows and small parts in movies, et cetera, et cetera, over the years through the 70s, 80s, 90s. When the streaming stuff really started, that that uh, you know that umbilical cord, that lifeline uh, for the middle class working actor was just completely cut off, just completely cut off. So you know they got in when the getting in was good. Um, their contracts still hold for the networks, but even they're not making as much money as they used to uh, for every time somebody watches Frasier on on Netflix or Seinfeld on Netflix or whatever on Hulu, right? They're getting pennies on the dollar that they used to be able to make and count on for rent payments or mortgage payments or car payment even, you know? I mean, I was reading somewhere, you know, uh, one WGA writer 
uh, had he wasn't used to he like sold a big project and it, it got made and he wasn't used to residual checks had no idea really what they were about partly because he was kind of in between representation didn't have a manager didn't have an agent and i guess he was keeping scrabble score or jeopardy score one night something on the the fucking envelope because he thought it was junk mail so at the end of the night he was done playing he threw the envelope away and something kicked in as he was on his way back upstairs to go to sleep like yeah maybe i should open that envelope i don't know what it is let me look at it it was a check for thirty-seven thousand dollars. Whoa. And, you know, thank God he, he opened the check and he fucking, you know, had his money. But that's the kind of taste that you used to get when you would sell projects. If the projects became a hit, you know, like even if the projects weren't necessarily a hit, you still got a little something to keep you going. But that's the kind of money that really has been taken off the table for a lot of people. And just because that one writer got a $137,000 check, he may not have gotten another check for two years, three years. I mean, exactly, maybe, yeah. maybe got a $100 check, maybe got a $37 check. But like the big checks are like they're gone. They're just, they're just gone because the streamers yeah. are operating under a contract that was signed years ago so yeah. the reason the reason i believe that sag is being so and the wga is being so hardline about this is because the way the technology changes and the way that these studios and their overpaid ceos and their overpaid lawyers find the loopholes to kind of fuck over the working people in order to pad their pockets and then pad the pockets of their investors um stockholders the, that that's why they're being so hard nosed right now. Because if we just agree to the pittance that they're kind of trying to kick our way, what's going to change in the next X amount of years before we have to renegotiate? And how much harder is it going to be to renegotiate next time? Based yeah. on how things change. The thing I think is interesting, and it's it's something that I have because I wrote a piece that's uh, that that came out last week um that uh it's just kind of breaking it down and one of the things i thought was very interesting is that uh at the height of unions in this country 38 percent of the working force was in a union you know and they and they had i mean you know they had some power you know they actually had they moved the needle for the working class in a significant way interestingly enough the death knell the beginning of the death knell of unions in this country was at the hands of the president of SAG-AFTRA the last time SAG-AFTRA struck. When well, the, last Reagan, time, the last time the two unions struck at the yeah, same time. Struck at the same Solidarity. time. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it was Ronald Reagan. He became president. And when the air traffic controllers decided to go on strike, he basically said, no, you can't. I'm president. You can't strike. And when they did anyway, he fired them. And oh, that, I that spoke. effectively... Oh, go ahead. No, no, I misspoke. He he was uh, part of the union striking back in the '60s when the yeah WGA yeah You're talking about the '80s with the air traffic control. Well, I'm he talking was about president of the country at the time. Yeah, he was sorry, president. Yeah, 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 go ahead. Go ahead. Bag after in the '60s, and he oversaw. He he basically led the strike, and then you know, some 25 years later, he ended up being probably the most significant death blow to unionization in this country that and it started a cascade and one of the things that's very interesting is uh and this is one of the things that i that i wrote and and it, it i i am not i i'm very 
hopeful, but I'm not convinced this is going to play out well. And and this is just I'm just going to rewrote just something there. The tradition of union striking for fair wages, better working conditions, and a sense of equity from those in power to determine these things is contingent in many ways on those in power not being able to create the thing the union provides. Example, if the teachers union strikes, there are no replacement teachers, thus management is forced to listen and compromise. The only element that stands in the way of the strike are scabs, non-union teachers willing to cross that picket line. And while they exist, scab labor rarely has worked out in favor of management. They are people and they're subject to public humiliation, scare tactics, financial intimidation, and are branded really for life once the union succeeds in their quest. Here's the thing that we're we're facing, and it and it's I and, and you know I don't really know how to solve the problem, but I think what's very interesting, especially looking at Hollywood right now, is this is this is not a normal strike because it's it's all about new technology and and it rapidly advancing new technology. Even the streaming, the streaming is just a different technology to get audiences to see the thing, and pretty much historically. Anytime it's been labor versus greed plus new technology, labor almost always loses. And, you know, it's interesting when you were talking about your, your and, and, and David and I laughed about it at a different time, you know, you'd shown us your, your dollar, $17, dollar 17 checks, you know, your residuals, right? You went, were, were, they, and, were they that much? <laughs> I don't even know. But what I thought was funny was I laughed at, and, and he and I were talking about writing it. And, and I went, you know, the thing I thought was funny was that's kind of what it feels like to self-publish, you know, because, you know, I wrote the book. I mean, the, my latest book, uh, you know, about the prostitute, it it's done quite well in terms of a self-published book. But when I say quite well, it's like, oh, Amazon just gave me $22. You know, I mean, it, it's right. not, there's nothing, you know, and I put a, I mean, obviously it was my life, but I put a lot of effort into that book. Sure. Public, and, and, and it's and one of the things that I wrote, and, and I, like I said, I mean, Google is now offering up an AI program designed to help or replace journalists. Theaters are dying. I said, I imagine a room filled with musicians radio disc jockeys, journalists, theater artists, and movie theater owners all sitting with their heads in their hands, looking at the current strikes and muttering, been there, done that. And, you know, it's just that as new technology comes in and we as an audience embrace that new technology because it's really convenience, convenience trumps everything for, you know, and we can... And I and I hear you when you you know talk about so like the the corporate overlords. The reality is, if it, it, it we've lost the ability to boycott, because right now the right is the only one that is successfully boycotting anything. We couldn't get Chick Fil A shut down for being homophobic, but the right could get Bud Light completely destroyed because because <laughs> Bud of Light the, should have been destroyed. Bud Light should have been destroyed for making shitty beer. Like, <laughs> yeah, but you know, but you know, but that, you know, it's like no, I know, I know, I know, I know. So, so, and, and it's one of the things that I worry about. Um, uh, one of the Hollywood. This was in uh, Deadline. One of the oh, yeah. a name a nameless studio executive said the aren't end game. They, aren't they uh, all? Nameless, they're all nameless. They're all nameless. Yeah, 
Yeah. They said the end game is to allow things to drag on until union members start losing their apartments and losing their houses. Acknowledging the cold as ice approach, several other sources reiterated the statement. One insider called it a cruel but necessary evil. And my point is that's not the end game. The end game is not to bankrupt the union. The end game is to replace writers and actors with digitally created content. I mean, look, that's the I, end game. And, look, and it's because that's that was the end game for musicians. That was the end game for uh, journalists. That's been the end game for novelists and people who are in the publishing industry. The end game is let's replace you with something we don't have to spend money on. And sure. and that's that's a shitty thing. That's a shitty thing to acknowledge. I don't know how to beat that. Look, I, I don't either. The only way I know how to beat it is is to have a union stand up for you. And it, it's worked in the past. And, you know, um, not to whatever extent, right? I mean, we're, at, we're, we're here now because I, I believe uh, corporations and big money people always try to find a way to make themselves richer and kind of just keep working off the backs of all the rest of us. But that's beside the point. You know, I was talking to my family a little bit about this in Chicago because they're they're pretty pretty distant from it all. I mean, they're all kind of working class people. I wouldn't necessarily call them blue collar, but you know, they're all working class people. Yeah. Uh and I wouldn't I would not call any of them uh, artists really. Um but you know, obviously, they know me, and they know that I'm in the industry, and and they are uh, uh, consumers of 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 entertainment like the rest of us, and so they were curious, and so they asked, and I found myself kind of going over this conversation in in uh, as succinct bullet points as I could, because it is like you said, it's very easy to get into the weeds with all this shit. Um, the biggest thing that I came to with with everybody that I talked to was it it really is uh, a moment in history where we're going to see if the unions can really live up to why they were created in the first place. All right, everybody, FBI. Don't anybody try to leave. Stand on your feet, put your hands over your head, and go nice and slow. Snyder! All right, get him up against the wall and make sure they're not carrying anything. Hello, Henry. It's been a long time, but it's over. Okay, kid, you can go. All right, it's a hands up. Keep them up. Come on, move them back.
It's a nice con, Hickey. I thought you were the feds myself when you came in. No trouble, Henry. Snyder went for it all the way. You should have seen the rag he lit under Monica. <laughs> well, kid, you beat him. You're right. It's not enough. <laughs> it's close. <laughs> the movie that I chose is it's it's a strike movie it's the little guy against the big money it's you know all right so here's here's the synopsis johnny hooker small-time grifter unknowingly steals from doyle lonigan a big-time crime boss when he pulls a standard street con Lonigan demands satisfaction for the insult after his partner Luther is killed. Hooker flees and seeks the help of Henry Gondorf, one of Luther's contacts, who is a master of the long con. Hooker, Hooker wants to use Gondorf's expertise to take Lonigan for an enormous sum of money to even the score, since he admits he doesn't know enough about killing to kill him. They devise a complicated scheme, and here's where I think the strike thing, and amass a talented group of other con artists who all band together, and they perform The Sting. That's right. It is The Sting from 1973. Um, I forgot. I love this movie, but I haven't watched it in a really, really long time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and I just... It's like, you know, there was something when we, when we talked about, uh, shit, what's the board game movie clue clue. Okay. Thank you. I, for some reason, casino was in there and I knew it wasn't you that, but it's fucking fair. hate it so much. That's yeah, what I about it. <laughs> but one of the things that you said about clue that I'll never forget is that it just gave you this warm feeling, the fall look that, that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. That is how the Scott Joplin score of this movie just it just wraps for sure yeah and, and i just and you know and in delva i can't it's the first time i ever heard uh you know rag 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 i'd never heard that kind of music before this movie and now i can't mm. separate and i love rag oh no it's, impo- I, it's impossible yeah I, every time i hear it it doesn't matter if it's scott joplin or not if it's ragtime i think of the sting it is yep. just this lovely package um it's such a good it's just such a fun movie to watch. And it is. It is about, you know, granted, they're all con artists. Um, but you know, you've got you've got uh you've got you know, loyal Doyle Lonigan, who is very wealthy and he's an evil, you know, and they got all this money, and these guys like they're just broke. It's in the depression, and they're just fucking broke. They're all just, yeah. you know, but they come together, they all come together in this brave long con with chapters and it's just uh, magnificent well that's why i said when you when you uh, mentioned the movie last last week uh, uh last episode that's why i said like oh i feel like you just put a warm blanket on me you know mm-hmm. and like because it is it is now what's interesting is i i grew up with this movie i i want to say look it's been a very long time this movie came out in 73 i was born in 78 uh the sequel came out in 80 what 
think the sequel I, came out. Later. I never saw the sequel. Don't even want to pull it. it up. I don't even want to pull it up right now. But I feel like I saw that one more than I did this one, only because of on TV, which was the like the early like the precursor of HBO, and the, they didn't have TV shows. They just all they just ran movies over and over and over again. So I feel like that was one of the movies they just ran over and over and over again. Was the Sting yeah. two. Um, and I love, I have a very, very soft spot in my heart for, for, for the big one, fucking Jackie Gleason, you know? Um, oh, see, and Sting, he was it. See, I've, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never he seen plays, Sting he, too. Yeah, he plays the Paul Newman character in um, the Sting 2, what is it, uh, uh, Gondorf. Yeah, yeah. he plays Gondorf he plays Gond- he plays in the Sting 2. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, so, like, it's, it's worth it to watch as, like, a, like an exercise. Um, it's not a horrible movie, but when you measure it against the fucking brilliance that is The Sting, it's great. Now, I'll say the brilliance that is The Sting. It took me three times to get through this film, uh, watching it for for this podcast. Really? I, I know. Yes, and I and and this has nothing. This has not. The direction is wonderful. Uh, the art direction is what the costuming, the music, the acting is what the writing is so sharp. The pacing uh, killed me a couple times. Honestly, really? Because yeah, yeah, yeah. The pacing maybe. of it, like I, I expected. Look, it's a hundred and twenty-nine. It's two hours and nine minutes long. I'm, okay, so it's not it's not a long movie, but yeah. you know, two I hours felt like it was long. okay, fifteen minutes long. I just sure. breezed by for me. That's crazy. Uh, that's sure. very interesting. Yeah. No, and again, like that's why I said like. It was this weird thing of like when you mentioned it, I had like this flush of like, oh, warm blanket, right? And then I started watching it and I was like, why the fuck do I feel like I'm walking in mud? You know? Wow, it's, it's, that's yeah, really I know it's interesting. Sucked. It's sucked. It sucked. Look, I, and again, when I did get finally through the movie, like I was like, yeah, I, why, like, it, it's a great, and that's why, like, I, you know, through some kind of mental gymnastics, I came up with pace. The pace to me, even even with, because when you go back and you watch, they have the little title cards, right? Yeah, I love the them. The very last title card, and they're all um, what? Uh, what's the artist? Uh, they're kind of they're kind of Norman Rockwell. Rockwell, yeah. thank you. Kind of kind and, of Rockwell esque, yeah. Right. So instead of the Tarantino chapter headings, where are just the, the yellow font. These are nice Norman Rockwell kind of sketches, colored sketches, and they all have little things. The very last one being, of course, the Sting. You yeah. Know, where, this is where it's all going to come down and happen. I there were times where it felt so long between those. Oh wow! After headings, I don't know, man. Like I just, yeah. just being honest, and I'm no, not no, shitting on funny. this movie. I'm not yeah, shitting no, on this movie. No, no. I recommend everyone watch this movie. The, this movie is sumptuous. Oh, um, I love it. The, the, I love the music, it. the music, uh, outstanding. The music's outstanding in a very unique way. And I, 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 even using the word unique kind of fucking raises the, what is left of the hair on the back of my neck, right? Um, it's not underscore. And no. I think that's I, because underscore is music underneath people talking, right? Dialogue scenes. This is like back. title. It's like the yeah, title of the card. It's like, but, here's but, music that's going to introduce a chapter. I love but, that. But the music then continues through that. And I say that there's a lot of, and this is, this is, this is interesting. Because I don't know if we've ever talked about this before, even though we've done a, a few musicals now. There's something about non-musical movies um, that have choreography to them, 
And I think this is a great example of a movie that does that, where, you know, the way Robert Redford is walking across the street and a car passes and he's going into a diner and he's checking out the people in the diner and he sits and he does it all without dialogue, right? And you're wholly invested in the character, in the story, the music is drawing you in, and just the way that uh the, the the actors are choreographed let alone the camera movement the editing it, I, I like to look i grew up as a dancer right so like i like to call that cinematic choreography in that way yeah and like this is a movie that does it in a, in a huge way huge really way. huge way without even without even doing the kind of cheap choreography which is a montage right yeah a yeah. montage is a great cheap way to get a lot of information shoved in a short period of time over music right and I would still call that choreographed, especially something like Rocky is a great example, um, mm -hmm. you know, choreographed. But like this just does it so many times throughout the movie. And it never that device never gets fucking old. I, I love it. Yeah. A couple great. a couple of things I'm going to point out. And, and, you know, and I know uh, Oscars are not necessarily the sign of greatness. However, um, they used to be. To this was extent. this was the 1974 best picture. Uh, George Roy Hill got the Oscar for Best Director. David S. Ward got the Writing Oscar. Uh, Marvin mm -hmm. Hamlish got the Music Oscar. Henry mm -hmm. Bumstead and James Payne got the Art Direction. And William Reynolds got the Best Film Editing. I mean, it took a lot of stuff. Now, the thing what I think is... That, what else was up that year would be I, my question. But that, I okay. didn't even... Yeah, 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 but yeah. What, I think is, what I think is interesting, and, it's, and maybe this is why... You know, I, I I really don't know how to answer the pace thing because I just I just didn't see that at all. To no, me, no. the charm. There are two things that beyond all of the things we've mentioned: the the music, the writing, the choreography, the directing, all of this stuff, which I think is superlative. I really, really think it's well written. I really, really think it's well directed. You know, this guy's totally. Up. To me, there are two things that make this movie just sing. That I just I, it, I and I literally watched it. I, I watched it twice. It's funny that you had a hard good to go through three times to get through it once. I watched it twice in one night. Sure. I really enjoy. I mean, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I I was the reason I watched it the second time is like, okay, so let me break it down a little bit. Why do I really just I have such a fondness for this? Mm -hmm. I think I think the first thing is, uh, but not the most important thing. I'll go second. Is the faces of an entire film filled with character actors. There is no one in this movie who is beautiful except for Robert Redford. Everybody else looks Hold like on. a real person. Hold on. Hold on. And I would argue that Robert Redford, as much as he's a movie star, is a fucking character actor. I it's agree. the same thing I, I would say about Brad Pitt. It's a yeah. character actor stuck in this gorgeous, this beautiful face. Jeez. Oh but my you've god! Got, you've got Charles <laughs> Durning. You've got Ray yeah. Walston, Eileen yeah. Brennan, Harold Shaw. Gould, Shaw, you know, Robert Shaw, uh, Elkar, Jack Kehoe. I mean, this yeah. is a. They look like actual human beings. There isn't an airbrushed fucking moment in this movie, and it works. It works so well and they all bring so much weight to those little moments i mean to me harold gould is i can watch him fucking read the paper you know he's just got this you know and then there's i don't even know who the actor is but the guy that's the the grifter who who uh who says i can do an english accent oh that guy yeah. my own tweet just yeah. you know just that, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just that yeah. simple moment yeah. is just yeah. simply undeniable 
But that's the thing about that's the thing, and that's the thing that I miss, Don. And we we talk about this a lot. I yeah. Think. Like that's the thing that I miss. I miss that level of casting. I I I miss. I do too. Those those beautiful creatures that you find in the corners of the art form. That I yeah, just because you're not on, uh, you're not a series regular on Chicago fucking fire. Like yeah, you haven't worked in probably three years, but goddamn, you are perfect for this role you're perfect you look you know, right uh, and so good. And then this then the second thing and it's that actually it's the first thing the thing that really to me makes this movie work and it works in one other movie because redford and newman only made two movies together that's right yeah yeah, yeah. this and 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 butch, and butch cassidy okay. and, the, yeah, right, and, right. and the thing about it is butch cassidy and the sundance kid is not a great film haven't seen it in forever. I I well, that sticks in my head. I love it. It's the fucking bicycle sequence. Yeah, rain drop all in them. See, and, and that that sums up why that movie is not a great movie. <laughs> but the reason it's eminently watchable is the same reason that Charles. this movie is is there is a chemistry between these two men. It is such a I think it's a, tra- a fucking tragedy that they only made two movies together because the two of them in sort and, and, and it's the same relationship where it's, here's a mentor who's kind of on his ass and here's an upcoming hungry kid mm-hmm. and they just they come together and every scene, every scene these two have together, every moment they're on screen together, it's just perfect. It's just like a perfect thing. And that chemistry is just something you can't replicate. You can't and change it. And it's, it's just because it's trippy because he's, there's only an 11 year age difference between the two. I know. Yeah. Yeah. You know I mean, no, it's, it's not even, it's not even, it's kind of like us in a way, right? Yeah. It's just yeah. like, it's just there. It's not a father son, but it's like mentor. Fucking, mentor yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And, and, That's and, cool. and, and I just, uh, I can't recommend this film enough. Uh, yeah. It, it, what it is, is it's, and it's also one of those things where movies made about the Great Depression today look like a comic book version of the Great Depression. Yeah. Movies made about the Great Depression in the Great Depression look like documentaries. This, these are, these are. Well, did Chaplin, did Chaplin, Chaplin made some movies, right? Yeah, yeah. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I'm not saying they don't look like a documentary because they yeah, they're just shot at the exactly time. Got yeah it. they've got that got feeling yeah, yeah. but yeah. what I love about Cinema the, Verite there's, Cinema there's, Verite. Some, there's something about this particular film and maybe this and and you know and I've been thinking a lot about the whole concept of the 70s artist um specifically when it comes to film but the 70s artist and that there was a there was a rawness and I mean, I wrote a piece not too long ago on the ape, basically saying that the Timothy Chalamet Willy Wonka is the finally, it's finally the denuding of the pubic area of the 70s. It's like, it's like there was some point in time as I got older that women, and specifically it was women, started losing their pubic hair. I remember when I was a kid, you know, not when I say kid, but you know, when I was in high school, you know. Every every broad I was, I, I was with, had a bush. And then as time went on, it just got slimmer and more shaped and then bald. And, and, and I think Timothy Chalamet as Willy Wonka is the is it's it's the last. We want safe, clean-shaven balls. 
And I just don't think, and that's what I like about the seventies is that there is no, there's nobody in this movie that's pretty. I guarantee you every person, women and men have a massive pubic bush under there. Nobody shaved. And it looks like what I think the great depression probably looked like the suits, the costumes are extraordinary, Eat but everybody, head, baby. Eat everybody, head. everybody looks, it looks like I'm seeing the great depression from a certain angle and it works. It works really, really well. And, uh, and I, I just can't recommend the sting enough to anybody. No, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it is, it's great. It's a great film. I, I don't know what it is about that. And I did end up buying uh, a Blu-ray of it because was a Blu-ray DVD fucking eBay was like six bucks because to rent it on fucking cock sucking Amazon was, I just fuck you. But I bought it. I own it. I will revisit it because I have not watched it in Don, honestly, 20 years. I mean, I don't think I've seen it since I moved to Los Angeles. I, I watched it in Chicago. It was one of my parents' favorite movies. Maybe not a favorite movie, but something that was on a lot. It was know? on a lot. Yeah. 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 Um, and, uh, you know, that, that, that is like burned in my, yeah, it's like, yeah, you know, it's burned in my fucking head. Well, so it reminds it, it, it I, I think I've told you this story before, but it reminds me of, uh, I was a big fan when I was a kid of two things specifically. Uh, one, I loved Stephen King books yeah, and I loved the music of Maynard Ferguson and his big band. Okay. And we would take my, you know, so I love a cut. Well, you know, and my my love, my love of road trips is that my mom and my sister and I took tons of road trips all over the country because mm -hmm. we fucking moved around so much. And I would sit in the back with a Walkman. Yes. With a cassette player Walkman. Fuck yeah, man. And I and I would listen to Maynard Ferguson while I was reading Stephen King books. Now, what what the the. The, the benefit is, I don't know if it's a benefit, is now I still love Maynard Ferguson, and when, but whenever I listen to Maynard Ferguson, it always feels like there's something nightmarish going on Under in there. And it's, yeah. it's because, because, that, because I did it so consistently, sure. there was just this. And sure. when I, I, I realized in watching this, when I hear the ragtime music, da, 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 I think about the sting. I think about the grifters, I think about uh, the, the, the Johnson Chums. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. Jarky, you know, all that shit. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's fascinating. Yeah. And it's also one of the one of the first movies I ever saw. Do you remember Cracked magazine? Oh fuck yeah. Yeah, Cracked and Mad. Yeah, yep. Dad, yep. yeah, both of them. But Cracked Magazine used to do movie parodies as a part yeah. of their thing. And I will never forget for the it just stuck in my brain this movie and i can see the cracked magazine cover of the sting and and it's just it's such a big wow. big uh part of my growing up and i and i just i'm glad we watched it and i'm glad yeah it's a gorgeous film it reminds me you know it remind with all this strike bullshit that's going on that we just talked about you know and it reminds me i mean you talk about zanuck brown the producers of this film i mean jaws they they were big in like giving people this like artistic beautiful freedom to fucking create dope shit and like i don't know what was going on in the 70s you can't tell me that something about the fuck set in the 30s about the great depression with fucking joplin music was like oh we gotta make that right now because that's gonna make money 
They didn't give a fuck. They were just like, this is a dope script. We've got amazing people attached to it. Amazing artists are down to make this fucking film. It's going to it's gonna cost us $5.5 million to make it. Fuck it. Let them make that dope little movie. That sounds awesome. Fresh candies, the flavors you love. Assorted drinks, your favorite beverages. Hot coffee. Hot dogs, the way you like them. Ice cream, smoothly delicious. All right, so we, it's, it's the evening. I love the setup. Yeah. I love saying the setup. This oh yeah, yeah. I love this image. It's great. So you, you know, you're you're in it. Let's say, let's say, is this is your setup, right? This is your this setup. Is, this, this is my. For, this, this is, is for your. Yeah. This okay. is for my <laughs> mental picture. My mental picture. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I've just discovered here in Wichita there are very few things that I'm like, oh, that's cool. But there is a thing called the Tall Grass Film Festival. And it's in a, a basically they built a movie theater that's just it's like in a room with like 30 big old comforting chairs and a nice mm-hmm. decent decent size screen. And they and, and they, you know, it's fun. And I love it. I, you know, I, I just think it's, I, you know, I don't like every movie they show, but I just love the vibe and I love it. Mm-hmm. So here's the setup. You, Donnie Smith, or I have rented out the tall grass theaters 30 seats we can invite 29 of our friends and family to come in and sit down in this very comfortable very exclusive theater and they're and they're gonna watch the sting and two other movies that you think complement the sting that give that thing what are your two other movies and what order are you going to show them to your audience well, in my in my in my vision, um, they haven't we haven't rented the space out. They've okay. invited us. They've invited us to come to a live podcast of the Sting. Okay, there you go. And, and we're going to do a triple feature of the Sting. And uh, I'm going to go with uh, 2003's Matchstick Men. Oh, good call. And this is a, a again just real easy logline: a phobic con artist and his protege are on the verge of pulling off a lucrative swindle when the former's teenage daughter arrives unexpectedly. Nice. It's a great film. It's a, uh, if you can, if you can call a Nicholas Cage performance (laughs) pared down, This would be a pared down Nicolas Cage performance. Sam Rockwell is outstanding as always. Alison Lohman is a phenomenal actress, actor. I loved her in Drag Me to Hell. I love her in this movie. I got to meet her when I was doing Vatican tapes because her husband directed the film. She's a cool person. I I think she just was over the fucking industry. I don't want to speak for her, but I think she was just over the industry. I wish we got to see more Alison Lohman work because she's... She's really great. She's really great. That's, and it's a cool. it's a fun, cool con story, man. I mean, this is this is one of those ones where there's like layers upon layers upon layers of the con, just like the fucking sting. So yeah. that would that's why I picked it. And do you want me to go with my second one right away too? Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, yeah, we'll yeah. The... And then um, yeah, um, and then uh yeah, uh the grifters from nineteen ninety. Yes. Um, a small time con man has torn oh, loyalties between his estranged mother and new girlfriend, both of whom are high stakes grifters with their own angles to play. 
Yeah, and then this one is so good. It's, it's John Cusack. Angelica Houston plays his yep. mom. Annette Benning, a very smoking Annette Benning, wow. plays his girlfriend. It's a great, great fucking movie. Stephen Frears directed. Um, again, just another great fucking con movie. It's about, yeah. and I love movies like because like Heist is good. You know, with uh, with Hackman yeah, with and Hackman. the Mammoth movie, and Delray, but it's about but it's about, uh, yeah. but it's about heisting something specifically. You know what I mean? Like, there's like heat, right? Like, there's these hi- kind of heist movies, grifter movies, con confidence it's a movies. It's a very are different just thing. different. They're just yeah. different. There's another one called Confidence with what is it? Uh, uh, the Graduate. Uh, Dustin Hoffman. Yeah, yeah. Uh, some other, but yeah, it wasn't that good. There was the magic, great? the magic one, with uh, what was it? Woody Harrelson and a bunch of people. Oh, the guy, the, the, the now, fucking now guy from me. Now, now you see me. see me. Yeah, uh, it was yeah. a little too shiny. The thing is, I like now you see me. It was good. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. I enjoyed watching it. But like, yeah, but when you want to like, but the pair it down to like the con, yeah. right? I yeah. mean, like really like befriending somebody. Knowing their weaknesses, knowing what they want, getting over on both the weaknesses and yeah. what they want to get what you want, and not that because you're the... shady, not because you're a shady rich motherfucker, but because like we were talking about this thing, like you're just kind of a working class, but like yeah. you know how to you know how to separate rich people from their money. God, there's something fucking Robin yeah. Hood and beautiful about that. See, I, yeah. I like yeah. your I like that because yeah. I was gonna go I was gonna go the con the con game and and the sure. two that I picked were it's the easy way to it's the easy yeah, way to go. Easy. So I, I thought I about that, then I saw yours, but I I, I mine were House of Games oh, and uh and Soderbergh's Oceans Alive. House of Games is great. Yeah, 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 yeah. you know, yeah, but I, I yeah, totally get it. Yeah. So what or what order are 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 we gonna watch it in your theater? Oh, I, I yeah, no, I would easily do it in 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 uh, a decade or Order. I would go the Sting first, and then Grifters, and then uh, Match Six Men. Uh, even okay. though the Sting is about the Great Depression, it had yeah. that seventies in that seventy sure. video vibe to it. Uh, Grifters is very eighties, late eighties, early nineties, and then Match Six Men very much is a millennial kind of early two thousands kind of feel to it. So, All right. yeah, cool. I would go in cool. that order. Yeah, yeah. So my my diff- I once I realized you were going to go with the con, I thought, all right. So what would I want to see? And I realized. What again, and I said this before, what really makes this film unique are the two leading men uh, yeah. and, and specifically together. So I I thought, all right, what are some movies that I would love to watch? And I would watch them specifically in this order, mm-hmm. specifically in this order. The first one would be from 1972. So it's almost exactly the same time. Uh, Jeremiah Johnson. Which is Robert Redford, the, the synopsis is a mountain man who wishes to live the life of a hermit becomes the unwilling object of a long vendetta by the Crow tribe and proves to be a match for their warriors in single combat on the early frontier. It is a fucking weird movie. I mean, yeah. what I like about it is, is first of all, it's it's Robert Redford in a role that you just don't see him in. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's kind of it's kind of his uh, it's sort of like Brad Pitt in 12 Monkeys. It's like, what the fuck is he doing? Sure. It's like, yeah, he's playing a mountain man with this big beard and covering up his beautiful face. He's you but know, not fighting, but not but not quite DiCaprio in The Revenant. Exactly. Uh, not, <laughs> like that. not quite that. He didn't go that direction, but <laughs> he, didn't, it, he didn't eat the liver of the bear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 a real but Jeremiah Johnson is a it holds up really well. Okay. Um, 
It's a lot of fun. I've never it, seen it. I'll be oh, honest. It's, and it's I fucking so love Hook, dude. And I love Sidney Pollock. I yeah, love Sidney yeah. Pollock as a director. I love Sidney Pollock as an actor. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'll have to check it out. I'll check it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's a really, really good movie. So I would watch yeah. that first. And so you yeah. get a very atypical performance mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. by Robert Redford. Then I would mm-hmm. follow it up also from 1972. Robert or uh, uh, Newman, Paul Newman. Yep. In the life and times of Judge Roy Bean, which is as close to a fucking Western fever, Western fever dream I've ever seen in my life. Sure. It is so dude, it's so fucked up. It's basically about a grifter who ends up finding this little town in Mexico and he sets himself up as the judge. He says, I'm the judge Roy Bean. And in a saloon, <laughs> he's the judge. And it, it it includes the director, um, John Houston, yeah. uh, who shows yeah. up as a guy who's dying and he needs to give away his traveling bear. Oh, God. I'm not making this shit up. It is the weirdest fucking movie. It's John, so strange. John Houston, I and, drink and, your milkshake. Yes, I'm, I'm telling you, it is. It's it, it. But again, it's it's such a weird movie, and I can't even and it's say that I by Milius. Really? Yeah, I'm oh, telling you, fuck, it is man. the fucking weirdest movie. Here's, I've ever seen. And here's here's the trippy thing, right? I I see your picks. We're talking about your picks now. It's great. It's wonderful. I would go see your triple feature because i dig the sting yeah but i have never i'd be like what the fuck are these other two movies i know one is is newman one is redford i have never seen either one of these fucking movies. i'm telling you for a for a 12 dollar triple feature ticket yeah 15 I'm, 20 whatever it is yeah what i mean i'm in because i'm done but the, the life and times of judge Roby, you get to see paul newman play uh, a character uh, unlike anything he's ever played um, and then the end of the evening would be let's now see them wow. in in yeah. their why they were famous why well, those two actors were so famous at the time that they could make all these movies why because paul newman as paul newman henry Garndorf, and robert redford as johnny hooker just i mean they're very typical for those actors but they mesh so well that it's just kind of a perfect thing. And that's it's just the so night trippy. I would want to watch. It's just so trippy because both of these films were 1972 and then the second uh-huh. 73. Yeah. Like that's so fucking, it's just like, that's it's so trippy. Then when was, when was, uh, I'm going to pull it up. But, oh, that was 69. So that was, okay. That's really funny. So it's Butch Cassidy. Then you got these two. I mean, it clearly, clearly they did it. Yeah. Bit, but like, wow. They well, Butch back Cass- and It's also, well, it's also interesting that Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid and The Sting, the two times George at Roy Hill, yeah, they they were yeah. both George Roy Hill uh, yeah. films, and and that's wow. also very interesting that it's the wow. same director for the. I mean, yeah. one movie is a little a little clunky, um, wow. for a lot of reasons. Although the ending of Butch Cassidy's Sundance Kid is iconic. Oh, it's iconic. It's, it's it, iconic. It's it's, uh, it's it legendary. Uh, the fucking uh, Gina Davis and and Susan Sarandon. Oh, uh, Thelma and Louise. Oh God! It's, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I mean, literally, the they are, are. It's the same that right. Yeah, like, but it's that just when you have something that iconic, that's why yeah. they get to ape it. You know that's I mean? exactly like, why that's they so ape it. Yeah, fucking cool. That's so yeah. fucking cool. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, wow. I think that'd be fun. So fun. And yeah, and I, and I would pay for it. I would pay for that. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd be a totally. Yeah. Cr- 
cool grateful feature all right it's cool you know what's cool too is like this thing of like i don't know and look I, maybe it would have happened maybe it wouldn't but like there's something about newman and redford that i mean it clooney and pitt are just i mean it's it's really fucking weird that like that can happen in that yeah way. like you try to think of those kind of pairings and i'm not talking fucking laurel and hardy or like i'm not yeah 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 no 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 it's like teams, it's sort of like, like two iconic romance, like these two, two iconic uh, movie matinee not even matinee but like two giant movie star idols handsome fucks you know and like they get on that well or or, and like or, this or fun two stars that just have oh. chemistry because even if they yeah, don't it's like whatever whatever happened to baby jane those two women hated each other. Yeah, but you, yeah, 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 yeah. But but you the, know, but you the know chemistry, guys, even those guys on, love each other. No, yeah. these guys are partying off screen too. You oh, know. you bet your ass. You no. bet your ass. No question. Oh, no question. Such a, good, such a good thing. Regular listeners, uh, 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 Donnie suggested it, and I agreed. We are going to, uh, we are going to, for the time that the strike is on, the SAG-AFTRA and WGA strike, we are going to forego uh, Trailer Geeks. We are not going to recommend films that we want to see right now because we kind of want to, we want to, we want to see how the strike, you know, because then maybe, maybe once if the strike is unsuccessful, we'll be watching. We'll be recommending completely AI-generated films uh, for a year. Or, I think it's what it is. Or fuck, I'll start recommending trailers from movies from, from the '70s and '80s. From this, exactly, they're all out I there on YouTube. I, I don't really don't. I don't have I'm any down problem. To do it. <laughs> so so and and also in so that is in solidarity solidarity with the right. uh, the two unions they're going right. and and before i i don't know what you're gonna suggest for next uh next episode but yeah. you had made a point to say that it was strictly independent so i am interested yeah. to hear what movie are we watching and talking about next time i want to watch george romero's night of the living dead i like to watch it and that, oh, yeah that is a truly independent film yeah, it really is. The man, the guy shot it in fucking Pittsburgh with his own fucking money. Um, you know, it's a legit movie, uh, legitimately and, independent movie. And a and, so, and a cre and a creator of an entire genre. Uh I mean I mean an entire genre. Uh, just like an yeah, yes, yes. And you know, kind of what and we'll we'll kind of talk about this a little bit when we talk about the movie. Because the movie itself is in public domain due to a fuck up with the copyright, there was missing a fucking copyright on the original print. So uh -huh. it's in fucking public domain. So everyone gets away. If you want, Don, if you want to have a cinema in Kansas and charge ticket money, you can screen this film for f no one's going to fuck with you and you could take all of that money in cash for yourself. And so every fucking streamer, every fucking studio, everybody that gets their hands on this fucking movie just fucking uses the shit out of it. But that's why I chose it. It's a truly independent film. Um, look, independent cinema has been around as long as cinema has been around. Before Hollywood existed, there were independent films. But yes, there were. this one is, this one is, is uh, like you just said, uh, has had major cultural impact. 
Um, and it's just a good fucking movie. With yeah, it is a good movie. It's it, and it's a movie that I think a lot of people. It's very interesting to me because because everybody's. I, I don't think anybody of any of a certain age. I don't think anybody's not heard of it. But it surprises me how few people have actually See. watched it. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's like, yeah. and I think that's fascinating. But yeah, let's yeah. we'll talk. We will talk about that next time. And that okay. is the sting and uh, strike. So maybe. I don't think the strike will be over by the time we 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 reconvene, but uh, we'll have other things to talk about. And uh, I agree. I agree. And yeah. And the nightmare on the living dead. So that is the show. Thank you, Donnie. And you have a great couple of weeks. See you on the picket lines. <laughs> <laughs>